So what turned death and darkness into light and hope? The resurrection of Jesus. Hey, Easter Sunday is by far my my favorite day of the Christian year. I mean, think about it. Without Easter, we would not have Christmas or Good Friday. Those days would have no meaning, no power. The Christian faith rises and falls on the truth of Easter. The Apostle Paul, one of the first Christian preachers, said it like this, And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. Useless. All of it. Useless. And Paul doesn't stop there. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In other words, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, Good Friday, the cross, useless, totally useless. Well, one of my favorite preachers who I think really gets the importance of Easter and the resurrection is Andy Stanley. And before I go on, I should acknowledge that I'm going to grab a few thoughts from him. And he's all about just the idea that the Christian faith exists today only because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now I'm going to guess, maybe not everyone here this morning is totally sold out on the idea of uh, believing in Jesus, that this Jesus actually rose from the dead. Glad you're here. You are really welcome here. Others of you, many of you, you are strong believers. You've experienced the resurrection power of Jesus for yourselves. You've experienced that power to bring light to your darkness, that power that helps us to live better, to live and love well. That power, that, that resurrection power that sets us free from hurts, hang-ups, and addictions. Some of you have experienced the resurrected Jesus in incredibly powerful ways. And so this is a really awesome day for you. Others of you, you're not quite there yet. You're not so sure. Some of you are a little bit like the neighbors on my street. Hey, I live on a great street. I mean, I live on a really awesome street. I live in a great city. I really love it here. And so many of the people on my street, they're so awesome to hang out with. Every now and then we do these really sweet street parties or whenever the weather is good, one of the guys near me has a huge bonfire on on his driveway. Well, it's in a portable fireplace, but it's massive and the music gets pumped up, but not to excess. The beer flows, but not to excess. It's a family-friendly hangout. And when I hang deer in my garage, lots of guys come over to check it out and let me know if theirs was better or not. Yeah. And right now, We're bonding over a common allegiance to the Leafs. Well, at least some of us are. I mean, they could take the series tonight. They're the last Canadian team left, right? But here's one man cave on my street, a temple to the Leafs. Yes, how awesome is that? And uh, I'm not the only one on my street uh, old enough to remember when the Leafs last won the standing clap, just saying. And by the way, here's open. Here's what else is true of the people on my street. They would all acknowledge that Jesus is an historical person. And that's true of uh, most people today. Uh, There was a day a few years back when some scholars doubted that there ever was a historical Jesus, but it's kind of gone now. Even skeptical scholars almost all agree that Jesus existed. And you know, the guys on, on my street, they would certainly believe that Jesus said some good things, that the life of Jesus, at least parts of it, is a great model for us to follow. Where some of my street choke when it comes to Jesus is this idea of the resurrection. They're not sure that that's something they want to believe or, or, or buy into. It's just much easier to say, oh, that's impossible. It's just been made up. It's just some sort of old myth. And the reason why some guys in my street want to push back on the resurrection is because if Jesus rose from the dead, then all that religious stuff that Jesus said is true. 
And it means maybe we need to take Jesus a whole lot more seriously than we do, and they're right, because it all rises or falls on the resurrection. But a few of my neighbors, like maybe some of you, you're not the first ones to struggle with the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' best friends felt the same way on the morning it was discovered that Jesus' body was missing, that the, that the tomb was empty, right? Despite what Jesus had told them before he died, they, they just didn't get it. And, and when they heard that the tomb was empty, none of them thought, oh man, he's risen from the dead. You know what? They didn't think that at all. They just assumed what everyone assumed, that when Jesus was put to death, he would just stay dead. Now in the Bible, the Easter story starts with Mary and a group of women peering into that empty tomb. They had come to embalm him with proper burial spices and wrap up the body properly. You see, shortly after Jesus' death, late that Friday afternoon, a, a tomb was offered for the burial of Jesus by Joseph of Arimathea. There wasn't a lot of time between getting access to the tomb and getting the body of Jesus in there. It, it all had to happen before sunset when the Sabbath began, Jewish rules. So Joseph, along with another guy named Nicodemus, he quickly, they quickly get Jesus all wrapped up and into the tomb. I mean, this would have been a rush job. And these were guys, right? And the woman just knew that these guys wouldn't have done it right, so... The woman arrived at the tomb just outside of the city of Jerusalem, ready to go to work to do it right. But to their surprise, they find that the tombstone that was supposed to seal the tomb, they found it rolled away. And when they looked into that empty tomb, you know, they assumed what we would all assume. They just assumed that someone had stolen the body. Well, we're told that they ran back to the city of Jerusalem, to where the disciples were hiding. Yeah. The close friends of Jesus, his disciples, they figured it was just all finished and done for, and they're afraid, and they're afraid that they would also die because they are friends of Jesus, so they're hiding. There is no expectation among the friends of Jesus that he would rise from the dead. None of them stood outside of that tomb waiting for him to come out. For them, it was just a dream gone really bad. Uh, Jesus, who, who they thought was the Messiah, was dead. And, and if he were really a Messiah, like he said he was the Messiah, he wouldn't die. The Son of God, if he's really God, I mean, he wouldn't die. I mean, God can't die. But yeah, he died. So he can't be the Messiah. He can't be the Son of God. Messiahs don't die. And now they might die because they know him and he's not who he said he was. I mean, what a mess. One of my favorite characters in the New Testament part of the Bible is the Apostle Peter. Peter is always full of action, and, you know, he might have had one of the biggest mouths of all the disciples. He might you know, when he lost his faith because he realized what he was doing was impossible, I mean, he was doing it. Then he thought about it, and down he went. He eased the guy who carried a sword with him at the Last Supper and obviously wasn't afraid to use it. When the authorities came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulls out the sword, hacks off the guy's ear, creates a bloody mess. Yeah, Peter's going to fight for Jesus, yes. And Jesus slows him down, heals the guy's ear. Jesus, what in the world are you doing? It's just not going the way Peter expected it to go, and then Jesus is taken away to die. Peter's beside himself. He, he doesn't know what to uh, think or what to do. This is all pretty devastating, confusing. 
So he follows Jesus as they take him away, but at a safe distance. And as he does, various people potentially recognize him, or they can tell by his accent who he is, and so they ask if he knows Jesus, and he just, well, swears a blue streak and denies that he ever knew Jesus. Peter. He's a bit explosive, a bit violent. His mouth, yeah, sometimes it leaves a little bit to be desired. I kind of like him. And I like that Jesus liked him. In fact, he loved him, actually. So Peter, along with John, who wrote the Gospel of John, they, they just couldn't sit there when the woman came and said, The body's gone, guys! The body's gone! The body's missing! Peter runs to the tomb and goes right into the tomb. John, more discreetly, stays outside. I mean, this is a tomb. You just don't run into a tomb, unless, of course, you're Peter. And the New Testament documents tell us that Peter bent over. He saw the strips of linen that were used to wrap Jesus' body lying there all by themselves. And he went away, not shouting, Jesus is alive, a miracle has happened. No, that thought still hadn't crossed his mind. He just went away wondering what in the world had just happened. Then, Jesus turns up where these guys are hiding. He appears to the guys who have seen him crucified and very much dead. He's appearing right in front of the guys who assume that someone had stolen the body. And I can hear Jesus saying, hey, I'm here. Why are you so surprised? Didn't you listen to me? Well, yeah, apparently not. But my guess is they just tuned Jesus out because sometimes what he said was so weird and like impossible, right? Kind of like some of my good neighbors. God will love them, but some of them just tune out this idea of resurrection. Plus, the disciples believe that bad things can't happen to the Messiah of God. They got that one wrong. Like, really wrong. But now they are eyewitnesses to the fact that bad things can happen to the Messiah, that he was very much alive again, and it changed everything, and that's why we're here right now today. Friends, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead because there were eyewitnesses. We believe because Matthew, who was an eyewitness, wrote about it, documented it. We believe because Mark, who spent time with Peter, he wrote down uh, uh, Peter's eyewitness account of what happened. Then Peter later wrote some letters about it. Luke came by and did a careful investigation and wrote down what he found out. John was an eyewitness and wrote down what he saw. We believe. Because James, the brother of Jesus, declares that... Imagine this for any of you who are brothers. James declares that his brother is his Lord. Now, what would it take for you to declare that your brother is your Lord? Exactly. More than a few card tricks, more than a few miracles. But when James met his resurrected brother, James declared that his brother is Lord. Friends, the, the foundation of the Christian faith is the resurrection. It, it is an extraordinary event with profound implications for your life and my life. It has profound implications for your fears, for your hopes, for your dreams, for your eternity. Think about the implications as the Apostle Paul says. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The foundation of the Christian faith, why we are here today, is the resurrection. And the power to live the Christian faith, the power to live lives that make a difference, the power to live well, the power to love well, the power to serve others well, the power to live life to the full, to live life beyond your wildest dreams, 
excuse me, an imagination, <coughs> that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power that the disciples were eyewitnesses to, that power is available to you and me today. The foundation of the Christian faith is the resurrection. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus together that makes the Christian life possible. Let's go back to the Apostle Peter. I mean, I like this guy. He believed in Jesus. Then he unbelieved. Then he denied that he ever believed. And then when he saw Jesus risen from the dead, he re-believed. God love Peter. The Apostle Peter then goes on to be a fearless preacher of the Christian faith. Tradition tells us that he was beheaded in Nero's Rome because of his faith in Jesus. I mean, Peter believed in Jesus, Peter believed in the resurrection, and it cost him his life. I, I mean, you're not going to give your life for a lie. I mean, I wouldn't, would you? And not long before uh, he was executed, Peter wrote these letters. Let me just read and comment on, on one thing that Peter wrote. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter is now a passionate believer. He, he believes that God is the Father of Jesus, that Jesus is the divine Son of God. Peter goes on to say that because of what Jesus has done, and he's talking about the cross, we have, I have, you can have hope. And why is Peter so confident that this life and your life can change for the better, that we can hope for a better life now and forever? Why did Peter proclaim this hope with such confidence, risking his life and ending up under arrest in Rome for his faith? Why? Peter would say, My faith in Jesus was resurrected when I saw my friend Jesus resurrected. Friends, we know that heaven is real. That life can change for the better now. That we can live life to the full now and forever. Why? Because the resurrected Jesus told us it is so. The resurrection of Jesus confirms everything Jesus taught. And that includes the fact that because of Jesus' death on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. And not just forgiven, but we can be set free from the destructive power of sin in our lives that, that, that hurts us and hurts the people that we love. You know, messed up thoughts and behaviors, healed, made whole because of Jesus. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that power is available to you and me to live and love well, right here, right now, and forever. Now, some of you, you've been sitting on the fence when it comes to Jesus. You've been on the sidelines. You've been thinking about it, considering it, but you're still holding off on Jesus. Hey, I, I just want to let you know that there is no better time, no better place, time to place your faith and trust in Jesus to, to accept what he did on the cross for you than, and to invite him to come and fill you with his resurrection power than on Easter Sunday right here, right now. No better time to say, hey, I get it. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, than Easter Sunday. You know, over the centuries, the Christian faith has spread the world over. It is by far the largest faith in the world, with 2.5 billion people celebrating Easter today. All because of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection to change our lives for the better. So what do you think? What do you want to do about Jesus? Today, I'm going to ask you to respond to this message by making your own declaration of faith. Maybe this will be the first time you've ever openly declared your faith in Jesus. I'm going to invite you to declare your faith in Jesus by coming forward and participating in the Christian sacrament of communion. 
And hey, if you're not at that point yet where you would want to openly declare your faith in Jesus, no worries, just stay seated where you're on and just, just stay there and just take in what's going on all around you, no problem. But for those of us who come forward to one of the communion stations here, let me just give some instructions for this time of worship. You will take bread that represents the body of Jesus nailed to the cross as a perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. And you'll dip it in juice that represents the blood of Jesus that was shed to wash us clean from our sin and just give us power to live well. And you can partake of the elements right up front here, or if you're more comfortable, you can take it back to your seat. And the idea is just whenever you're comfortable, when you've spent some time just worshiping Jesus on your own and thanking him for what he's done on your own, then you can partake when that works for you. And as you come forward, and as you participate in communion, would you invite Jesus to come into your life and to forgive your sin? Ask Jesus as you come forward just to give you his resurrection power to live and love well now and forever. Would you do that as you come forward for communion? Just, just connect with Jesus. Whether this is the first time you're declaring your faith in the resurrected Jesus or you've done this for most of your life, a communion is a powerful symbol that says, I believe. I believe, I believe in the death of Jesus that it covers my sin. I believe that the resurrection of Jesus empowers me to live life now full and life forever. As you come forward for communion, you are saying to God in front of all of the people here, I believe. Understand the statement you're making as you come forward. I believe. And as you come forward, our prayer team is available to pray for whatever might be on your heart, whatever you'd like prayer for. Please allow people of faith who believe in the resurrection power of Jesus to pray for you. The prophet Isaiah says, by his stripes, by what Jesus did on the cross, you are healed, you are made whole. And so communion is such an appropriate time to go to people of faith and just say, I need the work of Jesus applied to my life. Will you pray for me? But let me first pray a prayer that you can pray with me where you can pray, if you've never become a follower of Jesus, this is a commitment you could make or a commitment you could remake. Take the words that I'm praying and pray them on your own in a way that makes sense to you and just expresses your faith to Jesus, and then I'll invite you to come declare your faith in Jesus through communion. And just a reminder as well, um, for those of you, uh, the, the bread in the middle is gluten-free. But let's, uh, let's pray, and I'm going to invite you to kind of take my words and repray them your own way as I pray. So let's do that. Would you bow and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. Just tell him that, that you believe. I, I believe that he died on the cross and rose again. A and right now, I, I place my faith in Jesus and his death on the cross as payment for my sin. And I ask that the resurrected Jesus would come into my life through the Holy Spirit and empower me to live and love well. I want to spend the rest of my life as your follower, making a difference for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And let me continue to pray for all of us and for those of you who prayed with me. And Father, I pray for those who just prayed with me and that was a significant prayer in their life that they would know deep down inside that you have come to live in them. And for all of us who call you our Lord and Savior, thank you for your resurrection power. And we ask that you would fill us again with your spirit, that we too would live and love well. And now, as we come forward for communion, as we do, we declare our faith that we believe. We believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that it changes our lives now and forever. 
We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.